You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Yeah, so good, eh? Fantastic. Great things happening. We're all very excited about it, which is absolutely brilliant. Thanks, Emmy. You're a star. Well, before we get into our, um, our message today, which of course wrap, is wrapping up the series Blessed on the Beatitudes, uh, we want to take a moment to honor a very, very special couple. Um, they had a, we had a great celebration here last night to honor 20 years of uh, astonishing uh, work by Pastor Ruth, uh, Pastor Ruth, by Pastor Vicky and Ruth Vignaraja, which is amazing. These guys have not only run an amazing Tamil ministry uh, here, but have been incredibly involved and seeing some extraordinary work happen in the mission field. Uh, These guys, together with the Tamil congregation here, have seen the building of over 70 churches. Vicky himself has taken over 30 teams to India and Sri Lanka over the years. They still to this day provide monthly support for over 100 widows, uh, provision for over 100 kids to get to school, a huge variety of micro-enterprise projects. Just so much is going on there. And we want to take a moment just to celebrate 20 years of astonishing ministry. Can you please put your hands together, church, and welcome up Pastor Vicky and Ruth as they come. Coming up here, guys. Absolutely awesome. You know, on behalf of Pastor Stephen Bex and on behalf of Pastor Luke and Marilyn, who, uh, you know, have been part of this right from the start with these guys, who we just want to say how much we love and honor you guys. What an incredible journey it's been. And it's not finished yet. That's the amazing thing. This man, over many, many years, has introduced many of us to India and to Sri Lanka. And the work that has been done over there has just continues to change thousands of people's lives. It's awesome. Not only are all these things going on, but of course, you'll be aware that we've just recently opened a training center in northern Sri Lanka, uh, which is being used seven days a week and will, for generations, be a place where people can hear the gospel, where leaders can be trained, and where local community can find hope. And it's all because there was a man named Vicky who deeply cared and decided to take that caring and transform it to action and went out and actually did something. Uh, And we just want to say to you guys, you guys are amazing. We really, really honor you. I know Pastor Luke and Marilyn love and honor you guys. I know Stephen Bex does as well. You can give that to Ruth, Ruth, you are amazing as well. And we're heading back to India, end of this year. Uh, Pastor Vicky and Ruth are taking Steve and I back, and they're going to be staying on because Ruth is going to be doing some training with the ladies at the, uh, at the center in Sri Lanka, which is awesome. And Vicky has been a man who's introduced us to so many incredible ministries, opened the door for us over there in so many ways. And we want to take a moment to pray for these guys. Cool? Um, I'm going to get Chris to come on up, wherever Chris is as well. Chris, as well as being our MC today, is also our national administrator, and it'll be great for us. Church, would you please get to your feet in honor of these guys, and let's reach out our hands and believe God for just another great season ahead. I believe that God always takes what we do and always grows it, and I just can't wait to see what is going to happen in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead through these guys. Mighty God, we thank you, Lord, for a man and his wife, Lord, a couple who are committed, Lord, to making a difference in the lives of others. Lord, I thank you for the open doors that you have brought through these two. God, the incredible channel of blessing that these people have brought into so many people's lives in India and Sri Lanka. God, we thank you for the anointing on their lives, God, the gifts that you've placed with them, their ability, God, to gather and marshal resources. Father God, and the favor that you've placed upon this man as he has connected us and opened so many doors for such important ministry. God, we ask your blessing upon them. Thank you, Lord. Father, today, Lord, we stand here before you, Lord, and we honor this incredible couple. 
Lord, 20 years ago, Lord, you put a dream and a, and a burden in their heart, Father, for the Tamil community here in New Zealand, uh, but Lord, also you opened doors uh, into, back into India and Sri Lanka, Father, for the ministry to continue, and Father, we honor them before you today. Lord, we thank you for their obedience, Lord, we thank you for their faithfulness, Father, just to keep going, to keep believing, to keep serving, and Lord, to, 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 to witness and see those lives that have been changed because of the faithfulness of this couple, lives that have been set free, lives that have received, uh, received you and know you for the first time as their Lord and Savior. Lord, lives that have discovered what it is to have a hope where there seems to be hopelessness. God, we thank you for this amazing couple. Lord, we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome. Come on, let's put our hands together. Welcome to thank these guys. You're amazing. Thanks, Vicky. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. That is so, so good. My gosh, it is just amazing what God can do, right, if we are willing to be available. Just beautiful. Well, what a journey it's been on this, uh, on this series that we've gone through of this extraordinary teaching by Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, Jesus turns happiness on its head. He turns on its head it's the understanding of what it really means for us to be blessed. Let me just quickly do a recap of what we've covered so far. Week one, we talked about recognizing our lack, that actually if we're going to grow, if we're going to start in this relationship with Jesus, we've got to start by recognizing our own internal poverty. Week two, feeling the impact of sin and a life without God. Week three, embracing a truly God-controlled life. Week four, hungering after God and all that He has for us. Week five, making mercy core to how we deal with others. Week six, being pure and single-minded after God's plans and purposes. Week seven, and all things, keeping relationships first and working to become peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. And so today we find ourselves uh, reading the scriptures, and, and now what we see is Jesus takes this conversation, if you like, in a very different direction. Let me read this to you from Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Many years ago, I worked in a bookshop. Uh, I was the only male employee. Everyone else was female, and that was, that was actually quite wonderful. There were a whole bunch of ladies who just wanted to mother me, and I was happy to be mothered. That was fantastic. I remember one day we were there, and we were, I was at the back room, and we'd had a whole lot of stock come in, and there were a whole bunch of us out there just trying to get all the stock out and priced and out. And I'm sitting on the floor, tearing open boxes, and, and uh, uh, six or, five or six of the ladies were around me, and they were having this big conversation which was fine. I was not a part of it, didn't need to be. It was all good. I'm sitting there, but the conversation kind of came around to the topic of abortion. And as it developed, of course, they began to talk about blooming Christians who are pro-life. And, and as the conversation went on, they came to the point uh, where someone commented, well, Mike, at least you're not one of those Christians who wants to tell us that maybe abortion is wrong. And I hung my head because I knew I needed to correct that. And so I said, for right or for wrong, I said, well, ladies, actually, my personal opinion is 
that I kind of think probably, maybe, I think maybe, I think maybe, I think maybe, maybe there might be some problems with abortion. And well, I can tell you, all hell broke loose. There was no conversation, no sharing of ideas, no healthy debate. No, no, it was just a vitriolic storm of name calling which was showered upon me as I sat there on the floor. I don't know where all the mothering went. It took a while for things to calm back down. But you know what? I have to say, it really was not a fun experience. Certainly made me twice about sharing anything to do with my faith or my convictions again. And if that was persecution, I have to say, I'm not much of a fan. So let's today talk about persecution because Jesus did. To be persecuted, according to the dictionary, is to be oppressed and harassed. Any parents here at the end of uh, week one of the school holidays feeling a little persecuted? (laughs) The Greek word suggests the idea of being chased or hounded. And as Christians, we tend to think about persecution as something that applies to what we call the persecuted church. You know, the church in nations that are hostile to the gospel. In fact, several of our mission partners live and serve uh, in nations where persecution is a frightening reality. Nations like China and Vietnam and India and Pakistan and Bangladesh. It is a regular threat that they live with. But it's important to realize that persecution is not just being imprisoned or Uh, perhaps even been killed for our faith. Jesus, very helpfully in this text, helps us understand what persecution is. And he includes as persecution people insulting you, people saying bad things about you falsely because of him. And that's really important, right? Because it means that persecution then is not defined by how severe it is. Jesus shows us that there is a spectrum of things that are persecution. And he explains it to us by firstly telling us where it starts. It starts with criticism and verbal attacks and showing us where it ends in torture and crucifixion and the loss of life. You know, I spoke with a Christian leader recently who basically told me that because we're not persecuted like they are perhaps in communist or Hindu or Muslim nations, that really we're lukewarm here in this nation and we're not real Christians and we need to wake up. You know, the more I've thought about that, the more I disagree. Jesus was crystal clear. Whether it's being imprisoned for your faith overseas or whether it's simply being called names or mocked for your faith here in New Zealand, the truth is that no one finds it easy. Whatever its intensity And the most important thing is doing good and connecting people to Jesus. That's, at the end of the day, what it's about and what He is about. You know, persecution is not just for churches and nations that are hostile to the gospel, because actually we live in a world that is hostile to the gospel. And that is nuts. Because the gospel message is the most hope-filled, life-giving message that exists on planet Earth, And we carry that message, people, right? I remember uh, talking with a friend. uh, He was a congregation member when we were pastoring in Dunedin. Uh, Actually, he now uh, leads the student life ministry in Dunedin, which is uh, a ministry which goes on campus and shares the gospel and sees people saved every week. And 
he was a member of the congregation. He just got involved with the ministry and he was telling me about a conversation he'd had the previous day. He'd arranged to meet this guy who was a bit reluctant, but he, he, he said he'd give him a few minutes. And so Andre met with him in the student union and pulled out a gospel tract. And as he began to share the gospel message with this guy, he looked down, he saw the message and he just kind of laughed to himself. And the guy said to him, what are you laughing about? He wasn't offended, he wasn't upset. He just says to him, I'm laughing because I'm looking at this message that I'm about to share with you. And this is the message that totally transformed my life. And I believe it's going to transform yours as well. Ten minutes later, after going through the simple message of the gospel, he had the privilege of leading this guy in a prayer, of putting his faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But the reality is sometimes it doesn't go that way, right? Sometimes persecution exists. It comes our way if we are all in with God. So what is Jesus saying to us then in this passage of Scripture? Let's look at it again. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, in this first part, Jesus is primarily trying to address a reality and help his disciples and therefore help us understand it correctly. The question is, what is that reality? It's the reality that as human beings, persecution is a tool. Persecution is a tool to make people change what they are doing by making them firstly think that they are wrong, secondly feeling bad about themselves, and thirdly, utilizing that to change their behavior. You see, here's the thing. We are wired this way. We are wired to assess whether we are right or wrong, good or bad, based on how people respond to us. If people respond positively to us, we understand that what we're doing is right and good. But if people respond negatively to us, we understand that to mean that we are wrong and that maybe we're not doing things that are good. That's just how we are wired. And Jesus is trying to address this. Uh, let me illustrate. I remember one time when one of our kids was at kindy, four years old. And uh, they came, to, came to, uh, into our bedroom Saturday morning. You know what it's like Saturday morning, just want to sleep in. Uh, it was like 7 o'clock. Uh, that's not a sleep in. Uh, but if you've got kids, that's all you're going to get for the next 20 years. So make peace with it. At 7 o'clock, I'm lying in bed. I hear the little pitter-patter of tiny feet. I try to ignore it, hoping it'll go away. But, but, but he comes right up next to my side of the bed, like right up next to my ear. And he whispers in my ear, Hey, Dad, you're a bleepity bleep. I can't tell you what he said. Like, I get fired if I told you what he said. It was not good words. And I, and I hear this little voice saying, Dad, you're a bleepity bleep. What happened to me? I completely lost it. Man, I was laughing so hard, snot was coming out of my nose. My wife had no idea what was going on. I was doubled up in half, shrieking with laughter because it was hilarious. And meanwhile, he thinks, these words must be great words. <laughs> so he starts saying it over and over again. Dad, you're a bleepity bleep. You're a bleepity bleep. It took me like several minutes to kind of pull myself together, rein myself back in, and then turn to him and say, hey, buddy, you need to know those are really bad words. Like, you never want to say those again. Paul, I was horrified. And he said to me, Dad, 
Just the bad kids in kindy told me that. You know, watch out for those bad kids in kindy, I tell you. But here's the thought, right? What was he doing? He was assessing whether that language was good or bad based on how I responded. It's how God made us to be. Now, when we are persecuted, when we're persistently harassed or oppressed, we are psychologically wired to interpret that a certain way as we try and make sense of people's behavior and navigate ourselves in the world. And there are, broadly speaking, two interpretations when someone persecutes us. A, either those persecuting us are right and we are wrong, or second interpretation is that we are right and good and those persecuting us are wrong or bad. And of course, the most common mental response is for us to think that the majority is right and the minority, which is us in that situation, are wrong. And so, therefore, this is what happens. When the thought happens that we are wrong, then what happens then is that impacts how we feel. Our emotional response to something like that is usually a mixture of disappointment, maybe confusion, shame, anger, sadness, maybe some worthlessness in there. And then what that does to our behavior is that, that, we, that what that produces in us is an action to withdraw, to shut down, to back off. And that's exactly what Jesus is addressing in this statement. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Because if we are to carry the life-changing message of the gospel to a world that may just persecute us in response, we cannot be backing off and shutting down and withdrawing all the time. The kingdom of God cannot advance if it retreats every time we get a little bit of pushback. The kingdom will not last. The mission will fail. Persecution, then, is how the enemy attempts to shut down the work of God in the world. And Jesus is saying, when persecution happens, do not interpret that wrongly. And so Jesus, brilliantly in this text, he gives us firstly what we should be thinking, secondly what we should be feeling, and then thirdly what we should be doing as a response if we find ourselves in that situation. Let me unpack this for you quickly. Firstly, when we're persecuted, number one, Jesus says, think blessed, not cursed. Think blessed, not cursed. Do not allow yourself to understand what you are doing is wrong. And that what is happening is because you've made a mistake and now that you're kind of getting cursed because of this, don't allow that to be your thinking. When this happens because of doing good, actually I'm telling you, you're blessed because that's exactly what they did to me. And it's exactly what they did to the prophets of old. And that matters because this message you are carrying is the message that gets people to heaven. Blessed. The second thing Jesus says then is, as a result of that then, be glad, not sad. Rejoice, he says. Rejoice and be glad. Can we note that's an imperative? It's not a suggestion. He's saying you've got to find a way. You've got to make that decision. Be glad. Rejoice. Make it your position. I'm stoked about this. Do not allow confusion or shame or sadness to to become your dominant emotional experience. No, you, you've got to make the decision to rejoice because you are being treated the same way Jesus 
was treated and his disciples were treated. So you know what? Feel good about yourself. Don't allow them to make you feel bad about yourself in that situation because God feels very good about you. And then thirdly, don't shrink back, shine. Now this is intriguing, right? Because the beatitude doesn't finish with where I finished reading. While there's a paragraph division in the English, there's not in the Greek. Let me read to you what comes next. Jesus goes on. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Think blessed, not cursed. Be glad, not sad. And don't shrink back, but shine. What does Jesus mean when he says shine? Well, there was this one time, right? We can read about it in Acts chapter 3 and 4. Peter and John, I mean, Jesus is gone. He's ascended to heaven. Peter and John are, are key leaders in the church. They are heading to church this particular day, which is essentially what it was, it was synagogue. And they went past this crippled guy who was begging. And they had no money, uh, but they thought, man, we can pray for this guy. So they prayed for him, and then God turned up and did this incredible healing. This guy was totally healed. He is absolutely stoked. I mean, he's jumping up on his feet. He can't believe it. He's screaming and shouting and jumping around. Not surprisingly, a crowd gathers around them, and they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And so Peter and John basically tell them what happened, which was, well, we pray for him, and Jesus healed him, and that's what went on here. And so then they challenge these people, this crowd, to put their faith in Christ. And if we read on a bit further, we find that actually 2,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in that particular event right then. But then... The religious leaders and the Pharisees turn up and it all takes a bit of a nasty turn. They attack them verbally and then they get these guys thrown in jail. Persecution. And can I say, I bet it was scary as anything. But here's the thing. These guys didn't think that they'd done anything wrong. They didn't feel sad or embarrassed and they didn't back down. What they did was what Jesus calls shining. Here's their response to the Pharisees the next morning when they came and harassed them and tried to bully them into being quiet and backing down. This is what they said. I love this. They said, if, if we are being called to account for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and we're now being asked how he was healed, fine, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Now, here's what I love about this. They didn't try to defend themselves. They didn't try and attack back. They didn't get all snarky. They just said, if you want to have this conversation, fine, we'll tell you. It was Jesus. He did this good thing. And you want to have a God us because we've been kind? Well, then no, it was Jesus. I love that. That's what shining looks like. It looks like being unashamed to say that it was God. It looks like being unashamed about doing something good, something kind, and making a difference in a positive way. Now, we can't have this conversation without addressing, maybe the elephant in the room certainly is for me, that there is a little bit of a problem. And the problem is this. It's that sometimes we are not persecuted for righteousness. We're not persecuted because we are doing what Jesus would do if he was in our shoes. 
Sometimes if we're honest, we're persecuted because we're idiots. Sometimes we are persecuted because we are unwise, unrighteous, and unchristlike. And I want to unpack how that happens. Because when it does happen, can I say this? It's usually done with the best of intentions, just with terrible outcomes. I remember a situation in my own family once where part of the family basically was going to boycott a wedding just because they didn't like the, the denomination that owned the building that they were going to do it in. And they were sure they were doing it for righteousness' sake. And oh, I tell you, the, the hurt that it caused, so unnecessary. And if we look at who Jesus was and what he did, I just don't think we can justify those sorts of decisions. Let me explain how this happens, as I see it. I think what happens is, firstly, we forget all the Beatitudes. People start putting something ahead of relationship, usually something that they like to call the truth. And then they forget to ask what God's purpose is and pursue their own purpose. And they forget that we're meant to be peacemakers. And then they forget mercy, which is meant to be our default and priority. And then they forget being self-controlled and being God-controlled. And they forget the pain that can be caused when we are not following God instead of following our own. And we forget our lack without God. And they act out of the firm belief that they are the source of moral righteousness. And unfortunately, usually the behavior that follows isn't much like Jesus at all. So the question then is, how do we turn that around? Because honestly, we're all going to find ourselves there sometime. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to get it right all the time. And when it happens, what do you do? Well, here's what I reckon we should do. We just need to go back to the beginning of the Beatitudes again. Let me walk you through this. Number one, recognize your lack spiritually. Maybe you aren't as flash as you think you are. Maybe you're not as mature as you think you are. Number two, remember the impact of your sin and the pain it can cause others if you get this wrong. And then number three, recommit to a truly and totally God-controlled life. Not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. And then fourthly, hunger after God and all that he is. Desperately be, want to be like who Jesus would be if he was in your shoes in this situation. And then number five, remember that God desires mercy more than sacrifice. Does mercy mark how you are treating others at this time? And then number six, decide to be pure and single-minded about wanting God's plans and purposes, not your own preferences. And then number seven, in all things, ask, am I keeping relationships first? And am I working to make peace, not destroy it? And then, lastly, number eight, then if people persecute you, then if people insult you, be, be blessed, be glad, and shine. And let others see the love and good deeds that you're trying to bring about that they might give glory to God. As we wrap up, I'll get the team to come now if we can. A number of years ago, I was talking to the missions director from uh, UK Elam. And he had visited one of our partners, a partner we still have a great relationship with and do a lot of work in their country. He'd visited one of our partners in their country. It's a country that's pretty hostile to the gospel. And as part of that, he was invited to attend an elders meeting. In that meeting, they were discussing a young couple who had converted to Christianity some months back 
but then rec- recently somehow that uh, what had happened had gotten out and just that very week this couple had been targeted and murdered by religious extremists. It's a pretty tough conversation to be a part of around the table. And he said what was interesting was he said that at one point there was a lull in the conversation and then one elder looked quietly across the table at another elder and said, we're going to die, aren't we? And then after a pause, they just kept going. The meeting just went on. He said it was so clear how they saw it. That persecution comes, but we will keep going. And can I say to you today, persecution comes, but we will keep going. Amen? Because ours is the kingdom of heaven. And when it comes, and when it's undeserved, remember, be blessed, not cursed. Feel glad, not sad. And no shrinking back. Don't be afraid to shine that others may see the good things that we are doing to make lives better for others and to see many people find their way to heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your astonishing word. Jesus, we stand in awe. God, just your your brilliance, Lord, and how you lead us through these things. God, I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word to shape how we see and interpret things that might happen in our lives that we need to understand. God, I pray for every one of us here, God, when, when it comes, God, when opposition comes, Lord, whether it be from family members, co-workers, employers, employees, classmates, whatever it is, God, I pray, Lord, that in, the, in that moment, Lord, we might have the clarity to not allow our thoughts to go to places they shouldn't go. To remember, we are blessed. God, to choose to be glad in the midst of that. For we are being treated, Lord, like you were. And I pray in those moments that we might, without aggression, without a wrong attitude, but that we might simply shine and let others see the good things that we are doing in your name and for others. I pray, God, for courage and for wisdom. For every one of us here, Lord, because I know it will come to every one of us here at some point as we follow you. Jesus Help us to be like you, we pray in your name. Amen. Hey, look, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never taken that personal step of putting your trust and faith in him. You don't have a relationship with God, or maybe you did at some point, but you know what? Things have drifted. And if I was to say to you, hey, are you right with God today? If you're honest, you'd have to say, no, I'm not. You know, the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's like whoever. An unqualified, you, me, anyone, whoever. God wants us to know him, experience his love. But Romans 3 says that we've all sinned, every one of us, man, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory or God's standard. And it's that sin that keeps us separated from knowing him and experiencing him in our lives. And that's exactly why Jesus Christ came, died on a cross for sin, for your sin and for my sin, that through faith in Him, we might be forgiven by God and get a fresh start, new run at this. In John chapter 1, it says, 
to all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Gosh, I love that. This is the, this is the wonderful thing about this thing. Because it's about relationship, not religion, we don't have to try and earn it. He did it for us. We just have to receive him. We just have to make the decision to trust him, to put our faith in him. If that's you here today, if you know you're not right with God, can I say maybe this is your moment to get this sorted? I prayed this prayer in a gas station on Manukau Road when I was 22 years old. Changed my life forever. If you'd like to get right with God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask us all please to close our eyes and bow our heads just for a moment. And, and, and if I'm talking to you this morning, if this is your moment to get right with God, why don't you just pray this after me in your heart between you and God. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. But I admit that I am a sinner. And my sin is what keeps me separated from you. But today I choose to believe that Jesus died on that cross for me too. And that you are ready to forgive me. Jesus, I receive you now as my God and my Savior. I receive your forgiveness for my sin. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make all things new inside of me and teach me to walk in your ways. I commit my life to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. I'm going to ask you just to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed just for one more moment. Because if you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love the privilege of being able to just pray for you. And I'm not going to stand you up or bring you up here or anything, but in a moment I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer, just to slip up your hand in a moment and then pull it back down again when I've seen it, just so I know who I'm praying for. It's a step of faith. It's being willing to say, you know what, I'm going to take an action on this. It's, it's the beginning. So if that's you today, if you prayed that prayer, if you got right with God this morning, I would count it an honor to know that you did that, and I just want to pray for you. So if that's you, would you right now put your hand up like this, give me a wave, say, yeah, Mike, that was me. I prayed that prayer this morning. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. You guys are awesome. God bless you, God bless you. So good, so, so good. Anyone else here this morning saying, yeah, man, I prayed that prayer. God bless you. Unbelievable. Wonderful, wonderful. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this decision that these people have made this decision of all decisions. God, I thank you that all bets are off on their life now, God. God, who knows what you are gonna do with these ones? God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will command your angels concerning them to watch over them. Lord, I pray, God, that you will draw them into meaningful, life-giving community, God, that gives them people to grow with. God, I pray that you will continue to surprise them with your goodness and do amazing things in their lives. Lord, I ask that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.